face. Welcome to the Game Changing Podcast, a show where we learn game-changing principles from top performers. We have a lot of fun too, from business, sports, personal development, and more. Did I mention we have fun? My mission is to spark conversations that will give you something today to impact your life tomorrow. Enjoy today's episode. Howdy doody, y'all. It's Anissa again. And can you believe it's that time for another episode of the Game Changing Podcast? I wonder what we're in for today. Can you believe that there was a street before there was a Wall Street? And today I have those guests. I have the king and queen of Wall Street. First, I have Alicia, who has, she's called the Bond Queen. I don't even want to share her story because I can't share it as great as she can. And then I equally have alongside of that, her amazing husband, Daniel, the other half. I won't say the better half, the other half, because they're both great halves. Okay. And basically his one hour daily man, money man report, Daniel created one of the fastest growing sources of information on investing and trading in the country. So without further ado, so that we can get to their story versus my mouth talking, let me introduce you to Alicia and Daniel. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And thank you for being a guest thank on the show today. Thank you very much for having us. We're happy to be with you. Thank you for having us. Well, listen, I could tell your story. Here's all I'll say, guys. I met these guys at this board of advisors meeting and immediately um, when we talk about money, they have all the tricks of the trade. I thought I knew a lot. They make me look like I'm a kindergartner, hmm, maybe a preschooler. Because again, as you already heard me say, this is Mr. and Mrs. Wall Street. They have Daniel's been working on Wall Street since he was like 12 years old. It's true. When it was called a street. So, Daniel, please share some of your story because, and then we're going to equally bring in Alicia because your wisdom together, well, everybody can have some of it today. That's what's great. Well, fortunately for me, my exposure to Wall Street is how I got this beautiful girl. Everybody wants to know how in the world did he get her? that old guy. And the answer was that she came from the Philippines. She was taught by the nuns in a little village that had no electricity, that there was a place in America where you could actually own pieces of a company and you didn't have to work there. And actually, as the company grew and became bigger, you could eventually get rich. And Alicia decided as a child, she's going there. That's that's the place for her. So when I met her, she was, uh, what, uh, 20, 20, 25? Mm-hmm. And she was beautiful. And I was lucky to she deigned to talk to me. And when we got down and started to talk, Alicia had a little three by five index card in her breast pocket that had stock symbols on it. And I just figured this is my lucky day because I actually know about that stuff a little bit. And so we got to talking about it and we hit it right off. But she was tremendously interested in that right away. And I grew up with it. That was the oxygen to me. 
and I have this energy well, that I wanted to learn Wall Street, and I'm gonna get there. If you hit me with a sledgehammer, I'll still gonna get up and get there. So as we were talking, Alicia said to me, "My God, if you uh, you're you're so smart, how where's all the money?" And I said, "Well, my problem's not money. My problem is women." <laughs> and she said, "Well, we got that covered. Let's talk about the money." And she's, she's been divorced many times, and times. yeah, and um, somehow you know, in a marriage, there's also a collaboration that is necessary to you know propel you to expand, and somehow those marriages he didn't have cooperation. So uh, we've been married for thirty something years, and uh, it's still. Felt like it's going. It's still going. And and Alicia said, you know, I can market you. You could you should be doing this in the media. And I said, my well, I, with my broken English. Yes. And and I said, I have no idea how to do that. And and so she said, Well, I can market you and I can figure it out. Believe it or not, she called Saturday Night Live on the telephone in her broken English. And she got the producer, Lorne Michaels, on the phone. And she said to him, you know, I can see that you have no budget. How are you getting all these movie stars? Because I want to do a pilot. Uh, a radio, this I, was 40 years ago. Yeah, thir 38 years Something ago. Something like that. She said, how do you get those people, uh, all those movie stars, Debbie Reynolds and stuff on there? I can see you don't have any money. You got cue cards. You don't have teleprompters. Uh, so... Uh, what's the story? And he said, well, to tell you the truth, those are not really A-list stars. They used to be A-list stars, but now they're doing some television show or they have a book. They've got something they want to promote. And so we get them on here for scale. And so Alicia said, where do you get them? Because I want to put on a radio show and I want this guy, Daniel, to be the star of it, but I only want him to talk about money for 10 minutes or so, because otherwise it's not going to be an interesting show. So I want him to talk about money for the first five or 10 minutes, and then I got to get movie stars and people like that to make an interesting program. And he said, well, I get them from William Morris Agency in LA. So Alicia jumped on a plane and flew out to William Morris and made friends with talent agents there and created this pilot of a radio program in San Antonio with me spending five or 10 minutes talking about actual money. And then somebody like Casey Kasem or Debbie Reynolds coming on and talking about how did they make it and what, it, what was their big break and what happened when they failed and it was how did they stick to it and all this stuff. And when you do a show with Debbie Reynolds or some movie star in San Antonio, Texas, that's news. And so we started being in the news and I started getting to be on their uh, NBC television show as a guest at the local NBC. Mm -hmm. And it just gradually evolved and Alicia found out how to do it. And she managed to figure out how to get us to uh, Chicago, where they have the CBOE, the Chicago Board Options Exchange. And 
They have one guy, if you ever watch financial like CNBC or Fox in the morning, you will see that there's interviews and they're coming from this crowded, yelling trading floor. And what's happening is there's a vendor that's up there on a platform and you go up there and he's got a bunch of microphones and then you do the interview. And actually what's happening is you're calling in and you're getting interviewed by Squawk Box on CNBC or by Neil Cavuto or somebody. And after I did that a little bit, they started to invite me to come on the program. And so we started going to New York every week. And that's how it all started. Alicia invented financial radio. And there was none at that time. And and finally, we sold all those stations. I appreciate you giving her all that credit. Here, it, though, we need true. to back we up a little her. bit. That part is all true. Equally, there was some wisdom attached here, as I said in the introduction. Her selling you, listen, she's been pimping you out since the beginning is what I'm hearing, by the way. That's right. Her pimping, selling right. you out, okay, meant you had to have something of value or all of these shows yeah. Yeah. So please share some wisdom as I know, because I'm blessed to have y'all at my house and we were had this amazing dinner and talked business and, oh, and I got to see the real work behind the scenes and stuff behind the story and everything. Hence why we're here today. Obviously, please share some of that. Like we said, you were on Wall Street, you know, at the age of 12. Who gets that privilege? Yeah. 13, yeah. Look, besides if, you, if, if, I, I would start off by saying to the audience, what if everything you've learned about finance in your life was completely wrong? What if, what about that? And the answer is it's true because there is a whole propaganda, body of propaganda that has been promoted by the big brokers, the investment banks, and they've been telling these lies for so long that now even the announcers on television believe it, and even your introductory economics teacher in college, the Economics 101, that teacher believes it. He's like a, he's a, master's degree student, you know, uh, uh, an assistant, t professor's assistant, and he believes all this stuff. And, and it is all, it's quite a bit of lies. And it's basically telling you that there's nothing to know. And there's a thing called modern portfolio theory. Modern portfolio theory says, there's thousands of stories on Wall Street, and they're all people with different theories. And when you add them all together, they make the market. And one of them is not really discernible from the other. And so what you should just do is buy an index where you have a general helping of everything, and then don't worry about it, and it always eventually goes up. And right now, we're talking to an audience of whom they're all losing money. They've been losing a fortune. Their 401k is down. Their stock market is, their, everything is down. Their broker is telling them, don't worry about it. It's going to come back. That's not, don't worry about it. And lying to them. And meanwhile, the company that that guy works for, guy or girl, the company that that guy works for isn't doing any of that. 
he's there in the top of the Empire State Building with a bunch of real MBAs and guys, and they got 10 computer screens, and they're actually doing what we do, not what that broker tells. And so that's really the inside story is that those indexes are not really how you make money. That's not how you do it. Really, there's a story about what rich people do, and that is they buy and they learn how to do companies. And what really matters is they know how to get the right terms so that they get the right leverage. And that's really the secret. Your question was, how did you get to be that good? So what happened is when he was 13 years old, his grandfather said, you're not going to be a boxer. You're not going to be a baseball player, but I'm going to show you what you can be. Took him to the New York Stock Exchange because he was a teacher of Yiddish tradition for all the market makers and asked them, can I have my grandson follow you around and you can teach him what I taught you as well. And they said, we would love to have him. So they love to see a 12-year-old, a 13-year-old who is interested in the market. And so from there, he was, uh, uh, he went to the Marines and he realized that he needs to be better at getting all the information that he accumulated all those years. So when he came back, he went back to New York University, which they told him, you can be attending our class as an academic scholar. So obviously he has a brain. So from there, he realized that there's a lot of Jewish that believes that the uh, jewelry, they can, you know, trade silver. So he realized- yeah, Silver futures. Yeah, silver futures, yeah. So from there, he, as a young kid, he understood structural demand, meaning they have to come to you. So explain what you learned. All right, so instead of- thinking that I know whether silver is going to go up or not, and then spending big leverage to buy silver futures. I knew that there were all these Orthodox Jews who were diamond merchants and stuff who were trading these silver futures, big high leverage silver futures. They're all Orthodox Jews. So instead of worrying about whether silver goes up or down, I knew what those guys have to, this is structural demand. On Friday evening is Sabbath. And after taking this high risk all weekend, all week long, trading silver futures, I know that they have to go home for the weekend and it's Sabbath and they can't work and they want to get rid of all that risk and they're going to undo it and they're going to go home without risk. So I didn't know anything about silver futures. I just knew these Orthodox Jews have to, if the, if silver was up that week, a half hour before the close of the, uh, NYMEX futures, a half hour before the close, if it was up, I would sell it short and those guys all have to go sell. And then if the, if it was down, I would buy the futures and they all have, they have to get out of their position whenever they are in. It wasn't about silver. It was about them having to get out of their position. But that's what structural investing means. It means figuring out where is the money? What do they have to come to you for? And that was what I figured out. The, the, the bottom line is when I was a kid, and I was hanging around there on the New York Stock Exchange. 
an old man that was my mentor. He was the specialist of actually Polaroid at the time. He said to me, how is it possible this thing's been going up for 150 years? How is it possible that almost all these people end up living, losing money and going home? How could that be? Because it's been, you can't even figure out a formula for how to lose money on a deal like this, and yet they all do. So how could that be? So the answer was because they don't know what they're investing in. They don't do the work to understand the companies. They're not even thinking companies. They're thinking, guessing what each other are going to do, and they're watching these charts, and they're going up and down. What they're trying to do like is get marriage. paid for free. Get money for nothing by not knowing anything, but guessing what each other are going to do. And they're doing all this technical analysis. And they all end up losing money because people are not ants and they don't follow patterns. And what he explained to me is they don't even know what their wife is going to do next, let, let alone guessing what each other are going to do, right? That people don't it's follow the, patterns. Like married yeah. couples. Right? Yeah. The trick is... He said, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the specialist of Polaroid. I know everything about Polaroid. And everybody that wants to buy the stock has to buy it from me. Everybody that wants to sell it has to sell it to me. I don't make money because Polaroid moves so much. It only moved a half a percent. But millions of people have to come through me. It's leverage. Mm -hmm. So he explained to me what's really going on here rather than that it's a game where you all guess what charts are going to do. To me, coming from the Philippines, who didn't know anything, and I was told there's a place you don't have to work there. If you pick the right company when you're 60 or 70, you will be very wealthy from a $30 you know, savings that you save because you don't trade up and down because you don't really have the ability. Now that's this yeah. is what the nuns told her in the Philippines mm -hmm. and that's how they understood it. Yeah. Now I said now watch this. You don't have to wait till you're 70. Yeah. You it, it, let me show you how the real guys do it. Mm -hmm. And it's and true. that's basically what we've been doing. Yeah, I know. And now you've showed fate. your son how the real guys yeah. do it. You've showed your son how yeah. the real guys do it. Yeah. Like you <laughs> with his winnings and uh, we'll just call it poker versus your guys' strategic structural planning to win right. turning a thousand dollars into six figures. Y'all heard that, right? A thousand dollars into six figures. I'm not going to tell the rest of the story because I jumped ahead, but I wanted to make certain <laughs> you heard some of the reason people like them together. Hence the word Mr. and Mrs. Wall Street in front of me. Okay, continue on. Uh, well, so anyway, but that's the bottom line. It's not true that there's nothing to know. It's not true that everything comes out okay. None of those stories are true. They're all just different ways for a broker to get to get paid a little bit of rent on your money while he holds your money for you and he doesn't really know anything. And And you have to ask yourself, this is the interesting question. Does Goldman Sachs, who that guy works for, have any interest in what he thinks they should do with their money? He's sending you out there. He He's sitting there in a cubicle calling strangers, right? And now the question is, Goldman Sachs has got $27 billion that they're investing today. Do they care what that guy thinks at all about what they should do? 
And the answer is, they have no interest well, in what he not, thinks at right? all. But he's the guy telling you, don't worry about it. It's all going to be okay. Just, nothing to know. Just buy an index fund. And now it's you've lost money for a year. Don't sweat it. It'll come back someday. So while, <clears throat> while we're here, exactly how do people take a look at the companies? Because when you're saying it's all about companies. Right. Yeah. What's, so what's well, look, well, we're talking about structural. Here's what's happening. There are a billion people around the world now who don't have electricity, who are living in grass huts and eating rice and wheat, right? And have nothing, right? But many of them have got internet service now because India has got internet service all over the place. And so what happens is they've got a cell phone and they learned how to do VPN, which means that they can actually hide who they are and get movies on Netflix on their cell phone. And they're sitting there watching how we live here and they want it and they're going to have it. And their country is working on getting electricity to them. So what's going to happen? The, uh, think about the amount of copper it's going to take to get electricity to a billion people in India and Southeast Asia and South America, right? And, and they're living in a jungle in a grass hut and they're going to have a wired, they're going to, their house is going to be wired and they're going to have electricity. And think about the amount of copper that it's going to take to do that. So who do you think they're going to be buying all that copper from? Guess who? Me. Because I am able to go and get a leveraged position in find the best copper company, which is, I think, one of the best is Freeport McMorrin, who is now, even with this crash going on, they're in Indonesia, they're in Chile, making deals with the government to be able to mine more copper so that that when the economy gets better in the world and everybody's wiring it, they're going to be supplying the copper. Mm -hmm. And I own mm -hmm. leveraged positions in Freeport McMorrin. And so all those people are going to be buying their copper from me. And your price is like 99 cents. And then, well, yes, for, for being them. able to buy that yes. leveraged position. Yes. Another, now, also, what's going to happen is those people are getting electricity. And what's going to happen? They're going to get, they want their kids to go to college like our kids do. And they're going to be not only living in a little village at that time, not a grass hut. They're going to be eating meat, not eating rice all the time. And meat takes 10 times as much grain as what those people were eating. They were living, they were eating rice and wheat and that's it, right? Now they're eating meat. They live in a village. It takes 10 times as much grain to feed a cow or a pig as it does to feed a person. So where are they going to, what are they going to do? They're going to have to fertilize, fertilize, fertilize like crazy to grow 10 times as much wheat. Remember Bangladesh, we were collecting money for people to just get them grain to be eating in Bangladesh. Now they want to eat meat. Yeah. In the Philippines, we eat rice three times a day, Anissa, three oh. times a day. But now they're getting electricity. They want to eat meat. They want hamburgers, mm -hmm. right? They got McDonald's. 
And so what's going to happen is somebody's got to grow all that grain to feed the cows. But they, they are so spoiled in America. We are so spoiled. We have so much food options. Mm -hmm. They wipe all that land to create buildings and everything. So there's no place to plant. So now they have to buy fertilizer and they're going to buy fertilizer from American companies who can get potash and 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 nitrogen mm-hmm. and phosphorus and make fertilizers and they don't have to get it from Russia. They get it in the United States, in Canada, South America, Mexico. And so those companies are a wonderful way to invest. See, there's things that are perfectly logical and you can understand them. Now you have to figure out how do you tell how much money does that company make and what is their addressable market? It's work. But once you know it, you can make a fortune. You're not just buying an index fund and hoping you can take your grandchildren to Chick-fil-A when you're 80. You're hoping you're you're trying to make real money. We call that structural, meaning it's going to come to you. It's going to happen whether you like it or not. And so your, your job should be how much can I buy those companies from now? Mm-hmm. How do I get them? Yes. How do I, how, can, how yeah. can I make terms? How can I make and more, terms? Which ones? So that I can have a lot of it. That's right. Exactly. That's how. And which ones, yeah, sure. right? I mean, and that's why you look, need Bill, you because Lord knows I don't, you do right. your thing. I don't do that. That's why you're here because not all companies are created equal. I, I, I can show people how they can understand what this is because it may be. People say, what's he talking about? Think about Donald Trump. He wants to build a hotel, right? So he's going to build a hotel in North Miami, in Sunny Isles, on the beach. And there's a guy that's got a beautiful lot on the beach in Sunny Isles. And Donald Trump finds that lot and he says, boy, that's a great place for a hotel. Now that lot, let's say, is that's big enough for a hotel on the beach is worth $10 million. So Trump goes to that guy and he says, look, I'll tell you what, I'll give you $500,000 cash right now for the, for you to promise, give me a contract that I can buy that lot from you for $10 million anytime in the next two or three years, because I have to raise the money to build the hotel and everything, right? I need the time. I give you the half a million bucks. It's non-refundable. If I don't buy it from you, you keep the half a million bucks. You got nothing to lose. But if I buy it, I'm going to buy it for 10 million. The guy says, okay, that's good. What do I have to lose? So he makes the deal. Donald Trump gives him a half a million dollars. Now he's got this beautiful location and he goes around and gets investors to invest money to build this fabulous hotel in Sunny Isle, high rise. Now they got this all together. Donald Trump goes and buys the land from the guy. Now he raised a bunch of money. He goes and buys the land from the guy for $10 million, sells it to his syndicate for $20 million. They can work on the hotel, but he just turned a half a million dollars into a $10 million profit in two years. That's exactly what we're doing. That's the way they do it. Mm -hmm. They know how to position themselves, Mm -hmm. right? 
Talk about Bill Gates. The guy that had the land was sitting there. He didn't know how to do it. He just had the land. His father gave it to him or whatever. This is a guy who knows how to turn half a million dollars into 10 million in a couple of years. That was the deal. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we're doing. And we're also teaching people how to do that. Mm-hmm. Oh. And talk about Bill Gates. Yeah, well, Bill Gates, when he was the richest guy in the world, his mm-hmm. net worth was $80 billion. Because mm-hmm. he invented Microsoft, right? <clears throat> but when he had $80 billion, he only owned 1.5% of Microsoft. He had sold all the rest of it already. But that 1.5% was only worth $2.5 billion. He's got $80 billion. What is the other $77 billion? And you know what it was? It was options on Microsoft, long-term warrants on Microsoft, that as he sold it off, the company issued him warrants. The appreciation was that as Microsoft went up and he had all these warrants to buy it, and so he was worth $80 billion. That was the appreciation. And that's, that's what we're, what we're teaching. That's what we teach people how to do. Mm-hmm. And do it ourselves. Wonderful. And and as I was going to say, and you guys participate in it. And I don't know what's happened, but y'all's video has, uh, well, it's disappeared. All I see is a little E on there. What I can happened? hear you great. The video so we're disappeared. Still good. The video. Oh, for one second. Yeah, the video Yeah, for one second, I think it did, yes. Yeah. But you see and it now, so, right? uh, Nope, still can't see it. You don't see our video? What's I amazing? see you. Nope, I can see me. I can't see you. It was switched off. So How do what's I, amazing what do I do? is, uh, I don't know. I'm not on your end. It just switched off. This Echo cancellation. You and two others upcoming... Mm-hmm. Where do I get this? Let's see. Speaker, mic, camera. Here's the camera. Here. Okay. Camera is on now. How about there now? There we go. Ta-da! Yeah, okay, perfect. my camera went off. You know what second, you say is it's easy that and you teach people to do? Yeah. You, you, you say it's easy and you teach people to do it. That's because you've done it for a very long time. It's like um, second nature to you. And what I love is it can become second nature to others because they don't have to learn it. They simply have to follow as I know. I think there's like six steps. I'm not going to give your trade secrets away. But if I'm correct, there's like six things that they need to be always looking at that you help them identify and stuff. Um, yes, identify when they're working with you. Is that correct? Some of those, uh, some of the things yeah, that they ask you to look yeah, at. Yeah, yeah. That's that, that's yes. That's that's exactly right. They have to know what to look for. The trick is picking the company, not so much knowing how to do the actual buying it and selling it, there's a skill to that. But the main thing is being able to identify the opportunity in the first place and be able to analyze the company and know. I want to tell you why we teach this. Because for many years, we had no interest in teaching it to any, or I had no interest in teaching it to anybody. We were managing assets. We built it up to about a billion dollars or a little more than that. And we were just doing it. A very good friend of mine, 
I joined the Marine Corps with him when I was 17. He was 18. And we were in the Marine Corps. We were, uh, went to Vietnam. We were on the Iwo Jima. Uh, we spent three, three years in the Marine Corps, but we were best friends. And we came out. And I went back, as Alicia said, I went to college and then I uh, started to work on, do uh, this investing in on Wall Street and built this thing up. Now, my friend Marty was my best friend, but he didn't really know how to do anything. And he, every time I saw him, he would borrow money from me. And uh, after a while, I didn't really want to talk to him about money anymore because I never got it back. And every time I saw him, he wanted to borrow money. I loved him, but I never wanted to talk to him about money. But here's the terrible thing that happened. Years later, his wife called me. I was in San Antonio. He was in Houston. Mm -hmm. And his wife called me and said, uh, Marty just got this infection and he's in this dumpy little hospital. And they tell me he's going to die. And... Alicia and I jumped in the car and drove to San Antonio, to, to Houston. And when we got there, Marty was still warm, but he wasn't there anymore. He was gone. And now I know that I could have taught him how to make money, but I didn't. I was too greedy and I didn't want to talk to him about it. And so I realized that Everything is not just about us. And so that's why we have spent years now teaching people how to be able to participate in this economy like rich people do instead of investing like poor people do. And that's that's why we do this. Well, first off, thank you for your service, right? And equally, thank you for when you... Uh, saw an opportunity to step up and play bigger you did and now that's why you're here is now we're sharing that opportunity with others to learn uh like you just said what the wealthy do to get wealthier um and to stay away from what the poor do to stay broke mm -hmm. exactly or to to moderate to live a mediocre life and when they're 80 they can take their kids to McDonald's or something. They, they, if they're lucky, they get to play golf. That's not what it's about. This is America. America has opportunity, but for some reason, we're not learning it. Nobody's learning how to do it anymore. Our school system is run by the teachers union and they don't know anything about how to do all this. And so the kids are not learning it. And the kids grow up thinking that America's not fair. It's it's not fair. It's only good for rich people. It's not true, but you got to teach people how to do it. A lot of every, most people can learn how to participate, and there's really enough for everybody to go around. But nobody's teaching them how to do it. Yeah, the right word. There's enough. Really, there's enough. You know, uh, well, people thinking we have to distribute the pie. It's not true. You can make the pie bigger. We make we want to make the pie bigger, not just fight over who gets which piece. Correct. Make the pie bigger, and then everybody can have a slice of That's the pie, right. yeah. the That's size right. that they wish to have. Yeah. Right. And what's beautiful, and we've said it, rather it be your generation, my generation, the generation going through right now. We teach people how to get a job, 
We don't teach them how to multiply their money. We don't teach them how to take a dollar and turn it into $7 or use it seven times like a bank does. We don't teach them how to buy stocks instead of paying three, four hundred dollars for a share of stock, how to buy hundreds of shares of stocks for three or four hundred dollars. That's exactly right. Nobody wants to teach them how to do it. But the people who are paying their broker to come and tell them these lies, those people are in there doing exactly what we're talking about here. That's what they do with their money. Of course. And uh, I wouldn't say all indexes are bad, right? I think there are opportunities that are right for all. We j- because um, Alicia is the bond queen, right? Think about that, right? Mm-hmm. So we got to know that information. I mean, there is so much information that really, besides picking the company, like you said, mm-hmm. it's, I mean, uh, I could be on here for days because I'm very analytical and I could pick it apart and would love to share all that wisdom, but that equally at times um doesn't they need to hear it in terms where they go oh my god i totally get it and you've already said it we're basically teaching people to do what the wealthy do all the Mm -hmm. time all the time i'm not you're doing it you're doing it the first thing the wealthy people teach their children is that you gotta have the minute they open their eyes you gotta have at least a thousand people working for you to be stay wealthy to grow but people could could not relate meaning you buy microsoft do you know how many people are working at microsoft if you buy one share they're working for you so that's already in millions of people working for you but Mm -hmm. sometimes we are taught that the only way to get money is to go work so bill gates we were telling the story about bill gates when he had uh was had so much net worth, but only a little bit of actual stock. He was paying two or three dollars per share. The stock was would be maybe two hundred. Now it's now it's three hundred maybe. But when it when the stock was two hundred, he might pay two dollars or a dollar per share for the right to buy that stock at let's say one hundred and twenty. When the stock was at a hundred, I don't want to get too complicated, but essentially he was buying a hundred times as much of that company with tying up very, very little money. So as the stock went up and went from a hundred to two hundred, he turned each dollar into two hundred dollars or something. And that's how he was worth so much money. So let's, instead of talking about Bill Gates, let's talk. I mean, I mean, he's kind of in our family because. We have something typically that belongs to him that or operates sure. from that system. Let's talk about family, what you guys did for your son. First, you had to persuade right. him to let you help, even though you'd done billions. You heard it, billions, billions of dollars under assets before. Your son, kids, right? We got it. Most of us have them, right? And, or we were one of at some point. None of us listen. And then we go, wait, but look. Please share that story of what you guys did and what he considered to be a good investment of his time and a return. Well, Larry, Larry, uh, one, he, he, he was a baseball player in college and he never really was interested. That's right. Alicia would say, teach it to Larry, teach it to Larry, teach it to your kids. And I say, I'm, they, 
when they're interested, they'll ask. I'm not going to chase a kid around trying to teach him anything. So he was in college and he was a baseball player and he's a health nut. You know, he's got to be in great shape. Like you. So he, yeah, Anita, like you. Anita. Right. And he said, so he figured out that he couldn't get the peanut butter out of the bottom of the jar. So he invented this idea of a jar that opens on the bottom also. And he went to the 3D printer in college at Loyola, and he had to make him a prototype of a jar that opens on the bottom and the top. So Peanut uh, butter. Uh, peanut butter jar. Mm -hmm. So uh, what's the name of that thing? Shark Tank had in New Orleans a local Shark Tank thing. And they Larry won $2,000 with this idea, this prototype of a peanut butter jar. Won two thousand dollars, so he came to me finally. He's on a scholarship, right? So he and he's, but but they don't give you money; they just give you the scholarship. So he said to me, "Now I've got two thousand dollars. Show me how to day trade." So I said, "Larry, day trading is for idiots, but I'll show you how to make some money," because he had gotten me at that time. This is a few years ago to buy a Roku. You know what that is? It's like a little attachment to your television where you get to watch Netflix and all this stuff on the Roku. And you can watch everything. I had never heard of it, but I bought this Roku for $29 and I attached it to my television. I thought it was just for Larry to be able to watch football games. But it turns out that you can watch everything on there. And it's much better than I had DirecTV for $300 a month, and right? But you can watch everything on this Roku for $29. And I said, my God, everybody's going to do this. So now Larry's got the two grand. And I said to him, I'll tell you what, let's buy long-term options on Roku, because this stock is going to go wild. Just one company. Just one company. Mm -hmm. So he took his $2,000 and he bought options on Roku. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden he's got $27,000. And now I look at his account and he's flying his girlfriend in from Cleveland and he's still got the money in the account, mm -hmm. right? And the account's getting bigger and bigger. Now he's going to London and he's going to Wimbledon, right? And he's still got the money's growing. Going, and he, he just got smart. And so he ran that couple of thousand dollars up into like 127,000. Mm -hmm. That's where I stopped keeping track. <laughs> but basically, that that's what he did. He just yeah. learned how to make money. Mm -hmm. Anybody can learn it. It's yes. Mostly everybody can. Yes. Learn it. yes. It's, it's really, it's like buying a stock only like what you just said. A pain. Less risky yes, yes. because people have been told that these things are risky because they use options for gambling and all these kids on these Robin whatever, sir, Robin, Robin, yeah. yeah, they they buy these one month options where they're trying to guess what's going to happen in the next month. I don't know what's going to happen next month and they don't know. Nobody knows, <clears throat> but they try to guess they're gambling. Right. And that, so most of them end up losing money eventually. So they think that this tool is, is risky. But that's like thinking a screwdriver is risky because I stabbed myself with it because I'm an idiot. The bottom line is the screwdriver is for screwing screws in. It's not for stabbing yourself. <laughs> and 
these options, I don't want a, a one month or two months or three months. They're greedy because it's cheap to do that, but they lose. I want three years. That if I have three years or four years, it's the same as buying the stock. It's exactly the same, only far less risky. Because if I have $3 in there, the most I can lose is $3. But if the stock goes from 300 to 600, I can make $300, but the most I can lose is $3. It doesn't make it riskier. It reduces the risk. But nobody tells them this because nobody understands, few people understand it. I think the challenge is, and obviously it's just a hypothesis, is we, because Wall Street is traded daily, what they don't realize is Wall Street really is there. The rich get patience on, get rich on Wall Street because they have patience on Wall Street. It's not right. the in and out daily. It's not the day trading. It's the patience in the trading on the Wall Street, what you're talking about. And, and that's the buying it for pennies. On. Otherwise, it's gambling. You may as well go to Vegas. At least right. you can get that's strippers exactly and right. blow there. Oh, well, maybe you can that's get right. that on Wall Precisely. Street, too. I don't know. <laughs> it's the leverage, yeah. really. Like everyone yeah, else, the they think in real estate, it's the property that's making the money. It's not. It's the deal that you made. What's that rate? What's that interest rate? You know, so, all this leverage. That, that's a great point because the, they, I have a lot of people who tell me um, how my real estate business is doing so well and I'm building these shopping centers. It's great. But it's not the shopping center making you the money. The shopping center was worth ten million, and now it's worth ten point five million two years later. It's not the shopping center that's making you the money. You borrowed ninety five percent of the money from the bank. You only put five percent of your money in, and now you've got this ten million dollar shopping center, and it's making you money because you only got a half a million dollars of your own money in it. It's not the shopping center that made you the money. It's the leverage. I can do the same thing with Microsoft or Google, and that company is there and it's all in place, and I'm getting the same leverage that you're getting by borrowing the money at the bank, but I don't have to build the building. I don't have the hassle. They do Or it. own it. It's just the leverage yeah. that made you the money on oh. that real estate, not the real estate. It's a different way of thinking. So there's no nothing wrong with the real estate, but that's not what made you all the money. It was borrowed money that made you all that money. And share the story because, you know, we were It's pretty we simple were when you think uh, about it. I had a conversation in Vegas where I spoke about money and, you know, what happens with money in Vegas. The best way to double your money in Vegas is to fold it in half and put it in your pocket. Basically, that's the only way you're going to keep it. Um, equally, though, there's an MGM there, which is one of the biggest hotels in the world. And, you know, a little story about how someone did the same thing leveraged to build that building. So please share uh, right. a little bit of that story because you shared that with me before too. Well, Kirk Kerkorian was a, actually he was a boxer and he didn't want to box anymore. This is back in the 30s. And the World War II was just heating up 
And he was afraid he was going to get drafted into the infantry. And so he joined the Air Force instead. So he wouldn't be in the infantry. This is like 1938, 39. So Kerkorian's in the Air Force and America wins the war. And now at the end of the war, he knows how to fly. And he bought two army surplus bombers from the army. And, and he started a, cargo service, a shipping service in Las Vegas with these, two, with these two airplanes. Right. And the airplanes were so cheap and gasoline was so expensive at that time, right after World War II, that he sold the gasoline in the airplane and paid for the airplane with it, right? <laughs> so it was army surplus. But he used these airplanes to do a cargo service and he was shipping, doing shipping in Las Vegas. So at that time, all the hotels were in the downtown. If you know Las Vegas, there's downtown and there's the ritzy stuff on the strip. So, but at that time, all those hotels were downtown. That's where all the casinos were. And the strip was Las Vegas Boulevard and it was empty pretty much, but it was the road to get to the airport, to McCarran Airport. So, he realized what a fabulous location this is and how beautiful it is. And so Kerkorian, he's a smart guy. He's only an eighth grade dropout, but he's a smart guy. So he get right in the middle of what is now the Las Vegas Strip on Las Vegas Boulevard. He makes a deal with a guy who owns a bunch of land. He makes a deal to buy 80 acres of land but he doesn't have the money. So he says, I'm going to put down $200,000, exactly like what I described that, that Trump did with the hotel. He gives him $200,000 for a contract that allows me to buy that land for $80 million. Three to five years. And, and like I've that. got the time, right? $200,000. And if I don't buy the land, you get to keep the $200,000. But now it was actually 8 million, not 80 million, excuse me. So now he has the right to buy this thing and he's got a beautiful concept and he draws a picture of what the hotel's going to look like. It was the international hotel that he built, which is still there, right in the middle of the strip. He raised the money. $30 million to build that international hotel. Now he took it and bought the land for $8 million. Now remember, he hasn't built anything yet, but he owns 30% of this company that he just raised money for. So he just turned $200,000 into $9 million already because he owns 30% of that $30 million company. Now he builds the international hotel, right? And then it worked out so well that they built the, desert. the MGM hotel, right? But being in smart. In the desert. Right. Just smart. In the Think middle of the that. desert. That's right. Yeah. And he built those hotels. Now he owns 30% of these hotels and he's getting really rich. But he loves movie stars, right? He's in, he, he loves Hollywood. So now he takes, he goes to Hollywood and he gives a $5,000 deposit to a guy who had written a hit movie, to a screenwriter, written a hit movie, 
gives him $5,000 for the exclusive right to make this movie, right? Now, he's going to pay the guy a bunch of money for the script when they make the movie, but right now, five grand locks up the movie. Now, he goes to Clark Gable. He's got this script, and he gets Clark Gable to sign to be in the movie. Now, he's got this movie, and he's got Clark Gable, so he gets this beautiful starlet who wants to be in a movie with Clark Gable. She doesn't care what it is. She's going to do it, right? So now, he has all this stuff, and he raises the money to make the movie. He raised so much money that it was enough to make the movie and build MGM Studios. And so now he owns MGM Studios and he owns the MGM Hotel. And when he died, he died with $16 billion, started with $200,000, started with nothing. And that's exactly doing the exact what, same what deal teaching. that we're teaching people how to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how do people now, he had to get build a hotel. of you? It had to be a good idea to build the hotel. He had to put the hotel in the right place. He had to build a good hotel. He had to do a lot of things. It wasn't just automatic. The trick was he built the hotels in the right place. He built really good hotels. People wanted it. He made a good movie. He he did good things. But the trick Mm -hmm. was knowing how to do the leverage. Mm -hmm. I can see your wide eyes now. You're saying, oh, boy, I can do that, too. Can you imagine Or, me coming from yeah. the photos of all the things, of all the people in the world who was opening my door was so me. I can meet him? And I got lucky. Can you imagine? Of all right. the people Crazy. in the world, how many? 350 million people in the world? In America. In America. 350 million in America. I mean, this guy was holding the door for me. It's just, it's just unbelievable. I just couldn't imagine. And I worked in that hospital for seven years and I never came down all the seven years because I was an overtime queen. I was going to law school and I was, you know, savings. I have retirement land. I had at age 20 something because I wanted to be safe and I have a place for me when I retire at 20 something. Can you imagine? And here's the guy opening the door for me and just turn my world upside down. <laughs> wow. I, I love that. But of course, inspired by her, I was never doing anything with any of it without her. It was Alicia gave me something to I play was... for. And that's, It, it we're always a moment, one decision away from a different life, right? And sometimes it's that That's person right. that comes into our life that turns it upside down in such a great way that we have nowhere to go but up because they believe in you. They see everything in you. And you both are great. Holy hell. Honestly, you only are as good as you are together because you both do different things now, right? And uh Definitely, yeah. I, I, I'm blessed to uh, just be a part of both sides of it, whether it be investing in hedge funds or, you know, learning how to do options or being on your podcast, right? What I love is that you're still playing the game. You're still engaged in the game. You're still participating. You haven't uh, stepped out, right? You could step out and just have fun in life. You don't have to do this, 
what you realize is well, it's we, are, a joy we, we to have do fun. That's because, what, it's what we like yeah. to do. Yeah. I've watched you. You're exactly the same. You don't have to do any, but you wake up so early in the morning, get you in shape, and and it's it's that, you know, drive, which is wonderful. And I love that. It is it drive. What I will add to is what you said, Danielle. It's structured. And when something's structured, right? When it's just. It becomes that structured. I don't want to use the word religion, right. but it almost comes like a religion, right? And then once you do something for so long, it becomes a habit and a belief and it's the same thing. And that's what this is. And what's easy for you still was not easy for me to digest at my kitchen table, even though I was looking at it with you. And even though I learned numbers and even though I understand how money works and I can teach someone how to get $7 for $1 that they invest. It's still, you know, your market is very unique. It's very special because everybody says that they can do it. And equally, that's why people are losing money because they're gambling with it because they believe they understand right. it. Gambling. When in reality, there's a practice behind it versus just going out there and slinging money at the wall and seeing what sticks on Wall Street at that point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah, how do people get a hold of yeah, you? So I'm confident many of them will wish to know. And if they mm -hmm. can't learn, they don't have to. You can do it for them. Listen, y'all don't have to do everything. If you have a good career and you love what you no, do, do and you want them. some yes, people. I, I don't do it, but at least does. Okay. Yeah, Listen, he's retired. He just I, gives I his information anymore. at this point. He's training. He's teaching how to do right. it. She's doing it. Well, I, I did my So that's why they're that. a great team. Right. Yeah. He's moved mm -hmm. on to greener pastures. Yeah. He's right. fertilized that exactly. land plenty. <laughs> right? Now you're fertilizing <laughs> this land. <laughs> right. That is cool. You're <laughs> yes. So how do they get a hold of you? I'm confident individuals will wish to know more, learn more, understand more. And listen, little asterisk here. I know he gave you all some companies. Don't be going out there buying stuff and then coming back to me and go, well, That's Daniel right. said on your podcast. No, no, no. Right. That's right. You need to know how to do it. Do not do that. Exactly. Right. So, uh, well, the simplest thing is call Alicia and, and you can give her a phone number. But I have a workshop that I'm putting on, uh, on, uh, one, one Saturday at two o'clock and seven o'clock. And then the following Monday, two o'clock and seven o'clock. And people can sign up. It's free and it is a summit. We're calling it the online summit. And that's happening Saturday and Monday at two o'clock and seven. And so there's, there's room opening for them. There's a certain only amount of bandwidth. So you can't have a million people on it. So but, what's the website? Do you know? Uh, yeah. What dates uh, are those? Because here we may have a challenge. If it's this Saturday and Sunday, your episode's probably not going to be released that quickly. All right, well, let's call it next Monday then. How about that? Monday, we're sure. doing Saturday and Listen, Monday. So I don't Monday, do the behind the scenes stuff. 
They'll get a hold of Monday. you. Monday. I yeah. TheMoneyMan.com. Yeah, www.TheMoneyMan.com. There's a bunch of podcasts, and you'll see a thing that says it is the uh, Alicia and Daniel Frischberg Institute of Free Market Capitalism. It's It's a little logo on there, and that's where you find us. But it's the whole website full of podcasts and everything. Okay, so repeat it one more the time. Money man. Cut out on my side, so I'll www. www.themoneyman, one word, the money man. It's not just money man, it's the money man. Just money man used to be like a sex site. I don't, I don't know, sure, but it's not money man. It's the money man. He did that as his prior com. career, meaner greenie pastures. <laughs> no, no, we didn't have anything to do with that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, themoneyman.com. And Alicia, yes. I mean, he's doing all the teaching. You will happily do the investing if someone doesn't really want to learn what he's oh, yeah. sharing or yeah. has a career yeah, already. Has, so how do they get a hold of you? Mm-hmm. Just Alicia. Uh, my phone number three zero five eight seven seven three three one three. And simple. you can call Elicia at com. You can email too. Yeah. Elicia at themoneyman.com. Ah. You can text her. Yeah. Elicia at themoneyman.com. And you can text her at that phone number three zero five eight seven seven three three one three. Cool. Here's what I know. If you don't know where your last dollar went, you probably don't know where your next dollar is coming from. So what are your final messages, final notes for individuals uh, before we uh, check out on out of here? Of course, the easiest thing in the world is call Anissa, right? Yep. Just call Anissa. She knows where we are. <laughs> yeah. You can call me. It's like calling Ghostbusters sometimes. <laughs> so she doesn't answer listen, the phone. So, okay. Nah, no, nah, I answer the phone. I I, ha- I, I love what I do. So I, I'm. That's why I'm uh, always going. I've been up this morning since three thirty. I couldn't sleep because my schedule today. I, I had a lot to do on it, and I feel great. And I'm like, well, if I'm awake, I may as well just get up and get out of bed instead of laying here, right? Cool. Well, you did Here's a great what I job know. The brain thinks, but like the body it. needs to take action. So thank you, thank you, mm-hmm. thank you for all your time. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for your service. Alicia, thank you for keeping him in line. Thank you for pimping him out. And thank you for continuing to pimp him out so that people like me and all the other listeners can really learn from him how to do what the wealthy are doing. Right. Because we're told just to give our money to somebody and let them do it for us. Why isn't it important to inspect what we expect? Isn't it important to know yeah. if that if manager, they really knew how, how to do well it, it off they are? Deal. That's the problem. Yeah. yeah. It, so if those people I think really knew how to, to do, do it, that. it would so, be a good deal. Anisa. Correct. They wait cool. to Thank be told. So I know. Yes, I, we appreciate it. You did a great yeah. job. Thank you. Thank you. And with this, we're signing off until next time. This has been another episode of the Game Changing Podcast with your host, Anissa Acker. If today's episode has you stirred up with a fire in your belly, 
Take action by subscribing and sharing this episode with a friend. And in the words of Rhonda Byrne, when we open our minds to the unlimited creative power, we call forth abundance and see and experience a whole new world. Go change the game.